because we're not, um, most Asian American kids aren't really pushed to do arts, mm. um, maybe like violin or, <laughs> or um, <laughs> piano, but you know, we're not really encouraged I'm I'm really generalizing here, so I'm I apologize if I'm offending anyone or if this is not true for you. But from my uh, observation, we're not really encouraged to like be funny. Eita, Brasil. Tá comigo? New York, I know you have me. Yeah. Every morning that I wake up, I think about my ambition. Humans, what's going on? So happy to be back with a new episode of La Mescla this week. Uh, please remember to. Uh, Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, like the show on Facebook, follow on Instagram. You can also subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Um, trying to get the distribution for this show uh, to a much, much wider audience. So please spread the word. Our guest today, and I am so, so excited about this, is Nicole Pasquale. Uh, Nicole is a Thai-American comedian, originally from Anchorage, Alaska, but she's been based here for the last 13 years. Uh, she's a house performer at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York, a graduate from the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. She's a, a, a comedian, a producer, a writer, an actor, a host, uh, or the label that uh, we decided on, a comedic performance artist. Uh, Nicole is a, a super awesome, prolific, and insightful human, uh, and I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. And make sure to keep up with her ongoing uh, socially conscious variety show, Woke AF. It's a very popular popular show that's run for a long time at the UCB East Theater that'll soon be moving to a subculture for a little while on the Lower East Side. So please be sure to keep tabs on all of Nicole's projects because they're all great. Uh, I think you're really going to like this conversation. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, of course. I'm so happy to have you here. Uh, so welcome to La Mezcla. Uh, let's talk about Wait, shit. Wait, let me make sure I'm saying it right. Please. La Mezcla? La, La, La Mezcla. La Mezcla. Oh Mezcal my is, is liquor. The, I know. No. <laughs> <laughs> La Mezcla. Let the record show Cla. immediately called my show an alcohol. Yeah, I actually, I so I was trying to set up like a Facebook advertisement for this show because I'm really trying to commit to this, everyone. But it got, you know, have you ever done any of those advertising things mm -hmm. on Facebook? It, so I got rejected because I think because the name is too close to a mess. Like the thing was like, you cannot advertise alcohol in this way on this website. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not. And the I think the logo of the show is this thing my sister drew that has a bunch of like Peruvian liquor bottles uh -huh. on it. So they were like, you can't sell alcohol, which was very frustrating. So it's, I had to like change my art and stuff. It's so insane that in like Facebook will get you on like stuff like that or like having an exclamation point in your like the description of your event. Is that and a they'll thing? flag it. Yeah, like they won't let you do that. Like you can't put anything in all caps for like if you're creating a Facebook event. But then of course, you know, they'll like ruin elections and things like that. <laughs> yeah, they'll let some really fucked up shit yeah. get posted out there. 
Uh, cool. So let's start. Like, let's start at the beginning. Where Where are you from, and then where are your parents from? Okay, I'm actually wearing <laughs> the shirt of kind of where I'm from. Amazing. Um, so uh, I uh, the shirt. I'm the sweatshirt. I'm uh, referring to. It says Alaska grown, and I grew up in Alaska. Cool. Um, from when I was five to when I was nineteen, mm-hmm. and I am Thai American. Uh, my mother is from Thailand, and my father is a white American. Gotcha. From Alaska or? From Ohio. Okay, cool. So how do they find their way to Alaska? Military. Oh, okay. Yeah. So did you move around a bunch? Not a lot. We just did the one move. Gotcha. Yeah. From Ohio to Alaska? Actually from California to Alaska. So born in California. Okay. Grew up in Alaska. Came to New York. I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, everybody I've talked to on this show, it's always like the answer is always some sort of like, when I'm like, where are you from? Where are your parents from? Everybody's like, get ready. Like, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. 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 So you said your mom is Thai Uh and your dad is American. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. So what, in terms of like the way you were raised, like were you raised in a bicultural household? Was it, did it swing towards the Thai side or did it swing more towards the like, we are American side? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely swung towards the Thai side. So my, my mom and my dad got divorced when I was five. And then my mom remarried and my stepdad uh, adopted me and became my my father, and then my biological father uh, was out of the picture. Okay. Um. So my mom is my consistent parent through gotcha. my life. Same for me. Um. So and also my two uncles, uh, and my yai, which is um, Thai for grandmother, uh, lived five minutes away. So I had my Thai family all very like close, nice. and like my white family, I barely knew. That's really, I think I'm the exact opposite because my, so my mom is from Peru uh, and my dad uh, died when I was young. So the, the white side of the family, who I still kind of keep in touch with, uh, they, most of them live in the States. Some of them live in London, but the, the culture that I like, I was raised more in the Peruvian culture and all of those people are still in South America. So I kind of never see them but see the white side even though that was the side i was raised in it's like this weird it's this weird feeling multicultural baby (laughs) that's it (laughs) so did you grow up speaking uh speaking the language yeah i um so funny i speak it but my younger brother who's eight years younger doesn't and i think that just really speaks to um where my mom and my family was at at the time. So I was, my mom was working a lot and, you know, she was, they were really, you know, trying to put food on the table. So my yai would watch me a lot. So I was always with my, my yai who doesn't really speak English very well. And she kind of would just, um, we would watch a lot of Thai soap operas. Um, that's so, I, I so is your yai still around yeah yeah she's still okay, around cool yeah so my abuela's still around she lives in lima but she used to come live with us for like entire summers or like even as long as like six months when i was mm-hmm. younger when she could still travel and it was the exact same thing whenever she watched me and my sister it would be uh, uh telenovelas and like i feel like that was most of my education it is so, man i mean i know like you shouldn't like put kids in front of screens a lot and like make them watch a lot make them watch a lot of tv <laughs> Let them watch a lot of TV. Yeah. But I actually do. I'm confident that I can speak Thai because of those soap operas. Mm. Um, and I, I, the kids that I was just saying that I, I babysit and the kids that I, uh, I watch now, they, uh, speak Mandarin as their second language. Huh. And, uh, 
I will let them watch a show if it, if we can put subtitles or put it in Mandarin. That's really smart. Yeah. That's a really... Because even, even when I was young and I have... Oh, you mentioned how much younger is your brother? He's eight years younger than me. Okay. So I'm four years younger than my sister, but it's kind of the same situation where she speaks Spanish a lot better than I do. I still can speak it, but there's like mm-hmm. a, a kind of a massive insecurity there. But that's something I wish had happened more when I started like watching the English shows and like getting more into American culture that somebody kept the subtitles on just yeah. so that I still had that present. You know? Also, if you're, even if you're not learning another language, I think it's good to, for kids if they're watching TV to put subtitles on because I saw like this meme and it's just like, look, they're reading. You know? so, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. that is an added benefit of it. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, I, I should say that my tie is rusty. Mm-hmm. Because I have no Thai family here in New York, and I've been here for 13 years. Gotcha. So it's uh, actually I was at I was getting a bagel this morning, and this bagel shop was run by this Thai family, mm-hmm. or I assumed it was because everyone back there was speaking Thai, and I even said, "Oh, you, are you guys Thai?" In Thai, yeah, Thai yeah. and stuff. And then you know, it, it was starting to get like to be like, "Oh man, if this conversation goes further, I'm gonna have to start," you know. Yeah. Thrown in some English words. <laughs> yeah, I know. I totally know that feeling. So when you meet uh, Thai people or Thai speakers, do they, and you speak Thai to them, is it like, is the reaction always positive? Just because like when I meet mm-hmm. Spanish speakers and I jump into a conversation, sometimes it'll be like, people will be like, who the fuck is this person? Yeah, I, it's, it's positive. Um, it, it's still kind of, Sometimes it's still othering because in in a way that I don't think they they mean to. But like I uh, I I spoke Thai to like Thai people who were like visiting from Thailand, and they immediately were like, "You don't look Thai at all," and you know. And I just I know that that's not meant to be to make anyone feel bad, but it just never makes me feel great. Yeah. So I would say that's the most negative response I get. And then usually it's just like, oh, you know, and like they usually just immediately say you're half right. And I'm just like, okay. (laughs) Yes, I am. How can you tell? Yeah. How can you tell? (laughs) Is it my Caucasian freckles on my face? (laughs) That's just so, I mean, I mean, I look completely Caucasian and one side of my family is white and I got all of those genes. So Mm -hmm. I understand it when people give it to me, but I mean, for my ignorant eye, like you don't look very Caucasian, at least I don't think. Yeah. um, I feel like I look like exactly what I am. Um, But it's really like, that's something to learn too. Cause like, I mean, you to really just not judge a book by its cover, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because like my brother, he looks a hundred percent Thai. Oh. He is. He has very tan skin, uh, very like Asian uh, features and things like that. And he's the one who doesn't speak the language. Yeah, that's very interesting. So it's just kind of you know. Yeah, that's yeah. the. I mean, this is something that if anybody, for people who consistently listen to this show, they're gonna think I'm a broken record. But what, like, my mom is one of six kids, mm-hmm. and she's the only light skinned one. So all of my cousins are brown. And my sister and I are just these like weird albino family yeah. members. We're just shrugging here. I'm just just being like, yeah. yep, that's just how it is. It I just, feel like I just... yeah, I feel like the shruggy is a thing that uh, mixed people. That's kind mm-hmm. of what we're always doing. Yeah, like, we're just, I don't know. I don't know. This what, is the world now. Where so. are you from? What are you? Well, I don't really know. Yeah, it's just so. Um, man, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> You're in the right place. Great, great, great. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, everyone just looks. 
so different and I think it, it's kind of it looks and and are so different and I, I think it's really wonderful but I think we just all are come learning how to embrace it mm-hmm. yeah yeah cool so let's go back mm-hmm. in time to growing up in Alaska because mm-hmm. I want to hear about that yeah. so what in terms of like the school district you're going to the people you're hanging out with like how and you're being raised in this Thai household like when you're going to school with in Alaska, I'm assuming mostly white kids. You know, I, so I, I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, which is the only city in mm-hmm. Alaska. Um, it has about like 300,000 people. Okay. And it it does have some diversity. There are um, there are, there are black people. There are uh, Latinx, uh, Spanish speaking people. There are uh, there are a lot of Asians, uh, Samoans. Uh, there's a strong Hmong community in in Alaska. It's, okay. Do you know you know I find this fascinating. Um, Hmong are the are these like uh, this these people who are from Southeast Asia that don't have a country, but they are their own uh, ethnic group. Whoa! And uh, they're kind of like around like Northern Thailand and Laos and things like that. And they have po- these community pockets all around the U.S. Because I don't know what program has. Uh, help them immigrate to uh-huh. the u.s but it's always these cold as fuck places that wow maybe not always but like there was uh there was a, a strong community in alaska and then my brother went to uh college in wisconsin and in his small town in wisconsin there was like a huge Hmong community there wow and, and like it was like a really cold part of wisconsin i mean all of wisconsin yeah, pretty yeah, cold yeah. in the winter but i was just like man it's just funny how that happened i mean it just goes to show how how people how when people immigrate to this country they really band together no matter how foreign the environment is because i'm assuming like alaska is a very foreign environment yeah from like southeast asian jungle yeah Yeah, that's (laughs) crazy i'm always just like oh man this place is too cold for us yeah uh too cold Uh, yeah but like so it was diverse but yeah it was a lot of uh, white people Mm -hmm. uh, for sure (laughs) how how about your friend group who are you hanging out with at this point in time um when i was in elementary i've I've started realizing this recently that like I've uh, I mean I I hung out with whoever but I really a lot of my close friends were people of color Um, my like uh, two of my closest friends in elementary school uh, were um, two uh, black girls uh, Jasmine and Caroline Mm -hmm. Uh, Caroline sorry (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) Um, and then yeah and then um, in middle school I like I was hanging out with uh, a uh, black and Spanish speaking people. And then, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, I hung out with everyone, but I was, I'm, I was, I'm starting to realize that like, I really identified as being a woman of color or a kid of color, mm-hmm. um, at that time. I don't, and I don't know. I, I don't even, I don't even think I was aware of it. Yeah. Well, when you're the, and this is something I've learned from doing enough of these interviews is that when you're young, no matter how, no matter how othering an experience might be, it's the only experience you have. So you just assume that that's what the world is like. And then you move to a new city and you meet people that are actually like you that make you feel like included and part of that group. And you're like, oh, yeah, the way I grew up was kind of weird. And I felt some type of way about it. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, it, I think it was a night in high school. I, uh, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, I hung out with everyone. But I definitely remember in high school be like, because like, oh, I white culture to me seemed very at my high school was very um, like Abercrombie and Fitch mm-hmm. or like or You're just not alone there or, or <laughs> completely like um, uh, more maybe more like punk like 
punk rock ish, mm-hmm. which I I kind of identified. But I really loved like hip hop mm-hmm. when I was young, from like when I was like a little kid up until like now. Yeah. Um. So I think I was just really drawn towards that and anyone who would like hip hop. Yeah. So cool. So then, where where do you go from Alaska? Do you go straight to New York? Yeah, I go uh, okay, straight cool. to New so York for school. Or yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I, it's funny. I actually I came to New York when I was nineteen to go to school, and my mom left Thailand when she was nineteen to come to the U.S. Wow. So I feel like nineteen. We, fuck. I know it was a crazy time. My my mom was twenty when she came to the states. Isn't that fun? I, I mean, think it, about that all the time, and it's crazy. It's just like, and how old were you when you left and came here? Well, I grew up like 20 minutes outside the city, so it's kind of like I didn't leave. I went to school (laughs) in Boston, but like I never left. And it's like a joke I do a lot whenever I do shows of like, my mom came here when she was 20 with no plan, and now I do this. Yeah. Uh, It's just such a weird thing to think about. Like she moved to like a tiny apartment on St. Mark's Place in 1971. Like when it was terrifying instead of like yoga studios and stuff. I would love to like pick her brain about what that was like. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't even talk to her about it as much as I would like I kind of just know the bullet points except that she came with her first husband and I found out that she had a first husband about two and a half years ago when she told me that story <laughs> man parents really they really keep some stuff from you yeah know, especially yeah. immigrant parents yeah like, they're, they're just like what because my mom made me laugh really hard because uh we were drinking when she told me this and I was just like, why didn't I know that, Mom? And she like, she just looks up to me, looks up at me like such a gangster. And she's like, Well, when would I have told you? When when would it have been a good opportunity to say? I don't know, years, <laughs> all the years, my entire life, yeah, my yeah, entire yeah. life, Mom. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, we got off topic. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, this is a downer for sure. But um, my mom was when Me Too was starting to happen my mom started uh in the in the car um I, I don't even i don't even know how it came up but she started talking about certain family members who are uh, not great people mm-hmm. um i'm not gonna get into the details of that but you can imagine mm-hmm. and i she was talking and, and i was the same thing i'd be like why didn't you ever tell me this i've been so nice to that uncle this entire oh my, time yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i was just like and she just was like oh you know i just didn't you know i didn't really think about it and you know i just didn't yeah. Yeah. It's weird the kind of stuff. Maybe it's just part of getting older for anybody, but like the kind of stuff you start to uncover <laughs> as you get older. Yeah. Uh, oh, moms. Yeah, moms. Oh, immigrant moms. Uh, okay. Um, so but you now go, I'm here. So you go to New York for mm-hmm. school. Uh, what, what school did you go to? I went to this school called the American Musical Dramatic Academy. Okay. And, uh, I've heard of it. <laughs> I've heard of it. Yeah, they really churn out a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's, uh, uh, so. Um, in terms, like, was that a big culture shock going to New York from Alaska? Even regardless of, like, your culture, just, like, the culture of Alaska to New York, I feel like is whiplash. It really was. Um, you know, my parents made me stay in Alaska one year after uh, after high school Mm -hmm. to do a year of college, and I understand that now. (laughs) Um, you know, because it really, it, yeah, I was really young, 19, but I, I just also was, like, my emotional maturity was like not, I was not emotionally mature mm. um, because I was very my parents were very protective over me of like I was the eldest daughter and then I was growing up very culturally Thai. Gotcha. So um, and what I never asked, what do your parents do? 
My my dad is in the military, right. so it might even the both the biological father and my my father who raised me are mm-hmm. in the military, and my mom is now a barber, but she's gone through like a few gotcha. careers, yeah, um, on the military base. Ah, <laughs> so, uh, okay. Um, so so that, did growing up in like that structured of environment of an environment was there like a pressure on you to succeed because of that kind of? There was um, definitely a pressure for me to. I survive, to be honest. I mm. I don't think my um, parents ever like really wanted. They I mean, you know, they said like, oh, being a doctor would be nice and things like that. But mm. honestly, my mom never really had high, super high hopes for me. I think it, and I think this is kind of the um, part of the immigrant mentality of she just wanted me to have a steady job mm. and be happy and then like be able to like have a family. Yeah. So she was very like, you know, every time I, she doesn't do it too much anymore because I've really been doing this a long time now. Um, <laughs> but, but for many years she, you know, I'd call home and she'd be like, you shouldn't open up a nail salon. You should be a manager <laughs> at Walmart. Like very low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the, it's, that's like the pragmatism of an immigrant. It's like, you should get this very realistic thing that you could get and mm. that'll be steady. And that's all you need. Like yeah. I, that was kind of a thing that I've gotten my whole life too. Yeah, I mean, it was, and I would just laugh about it because I would feel, I feel like other, especially Asian immigrant parents are very much like, you got to be a doctor, you got to be this. Mm. And my mom was like, you should be a manager at Walmart. And I was just like, okay. Can you at least pressure me a little I higher know, than that? I know, can you please? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So um, then in that case, what was it, I'm, if you're going to AMDA mm. straight out of high school, I'm assuming you're acting in or high school? a year or after. Or a year yeah. afterwards. So are you taking classes or anything like that at that point? Yeah, at AMDA, AMDA is actually a it's a theater conservatory and it is pretty intense it's pretty much like sort of like 8 9 a.m till 6 p.m and then every monday through friday and then you have like rehearsals and stuff at Mm -hmm. night um so it's much it's more intense than college i would i'd say um so you really and you like live with i mean i lived in the dorms so we and most of us like i think i feel like 90 percent of their student body is like from uh, not New York mm-hmm. so uh, everyone it just moved and everyone's surrounded by all these actors and it's very yeah. theater programs it's very you know it's very you know <laughs> I'm making <laughs> kind d- of I a, don't know what are you trying to I'm say tra- I'm, I'm, I'm swirling my hand and I'm, I'm rolling my eyes and I'm trying to say like uh, it's like, like Nicole all, has a big glass uh, of red wine yeah in yeah head. yeah um, <laughs> how do I say we're all like horny 19 year old teens there's three straight guys uh-huh, and a uh-huh. bunch sounds, of gays <laughs> sounds like theater school yeah <laughs> um but your your parents were cool with you going to pursue acting like that. They were cool. They actually came with me when I came to audition for this school. Nice. Um, and they, my dad my dad was really supportive of it, which was nice. My mom was confused. She's mm. still confused. Um, yeah. I know this is. We can definitely keep talking about this. But uh, fun fact: I'm doing a, a show in LA next month, Ooh. and it. My parents and my family have never seen me do comedy. I'm 32 <sighs> years old. I've been doing this since I was 19. I've been acting and stuff since I was 19, and they. Um, they have never seen me do comedy for their own reasons of, I think they've been scared to, uh-huh. or we have d- very different political opinions too. So okay. um, they are going to see me perform for and host, time? yeah, and host my own, own show, which Holy is shit. a comedy variety show about social issues and politics. This is Woke AF, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I've seen it. I love it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my my yai and my uncle and uh, his wife are also coming too, and they're all Thai. 
Wow. Um, so That's, are you excited? Terrified? You what? know exactly what I mean. <laughs> you, 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 But I have to ask because we're being recorded. Yes, 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 yes. Um, no, because you. Uh, I am excited. I I am talking about it in therapy, to be honest. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm preparing for it because um, it. Th- this has been a long time coming. I've been trying to get them to come see my shows or, or like watch um video recordings of what i do because i at first i didn't care for like the longest time and then i realized that they were like deliberately like avoiding ever being a part of my life in that way Hmm. and and it really started to hurt uh so i just have been like kind of pushing for it like please acknowledge what i do (laughs) do you think it's a thing well not to turn this too much into like a therapy session but this is something sometimes i worry about with my immigrant side is like do you think they might hesitate to watch everything you do or like really keep tabs on it because they, they're worried like, is this a real thing or not? Like, is this like a phase or something? That's an insecurity I have all the time mm-hmm. in that respect. Yeah, I still I uh, I still think they think it's a phase because, um, yeah, because they were, they were, I mean, it's really hard. It's like I'm not getting paid to do this show, mm. and that so that always for them is just like, oh, so you're just doing this for fun. And right. I was just like, well, I am doing this for fun because I do love doing it. But I that doesn't al- mean it's not my career. Yeah. yeah, and I try to explain to them. I mean, I still think that performers should be paid. Let that be clear. But um, <laughs> producers <laughs> should be paid. But I try to explain to them it to them that this is like a business card. I host this monthly show. Yeah. I can always say, hey, if you want to see me perform, I am every first Tuesday of the month or whatever. Right come see me at the show and it mm. and it is a business card in in that way um and so that kind of helped them and then i also re- recently had to tell my mom what i was making as a performer for her to like accept mm. it a little bit wow so she like wanted a number she was like really she was just digging deep into my finances and my life mm. and stuff i was like mom it's okay this is what i'm i made this year and she was like oh okay. that's more than i thought <laughs> i was <laughs> yeah. like okay i was just trying to just make her get off my back about it yeah yeah yeah. wow yeah but i i i am nervous about it to be honest it it is like gonna i mean i this the show is called woke as fuck we talk about social issues you know we we talk about abortions we talk about this you know we talk about black lives matter you know and um for my uh father he's he says he's uh a moderate but really he's a conservative Mm -hmm. um and he we really butt heads on this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and um, sa- same with some other members of my family. So I'm I'm nervous about that. Yeah, um, it might be good for them to see you in your element, and like, I mean, I don't know, I don't know I your think, dad, but I'm, it might be good to like, this is you know, she Nicole is doing this for, this is the way she expresses herself, and this is like her life. It might make them respect where you're coming from a little bit more. I hope so. I'm I'm I mean it. I'm really looking forward to it as like as nervous as I am. I, now I am too. I'm yeah. like nervous too. I know. I've been, when I've been booking the performers, I've been like, just so you know, my family's coming. <laughs> don't fuck this up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think anyone is like, everyone's like, okay. Yeah. Um, but I was like, you don't know how big of a deal this is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really want to share this with them. I it's so I've been hosting this show for over two years. I've been a performer for a long time. Uh, I, I, I want, as you get older, at least for me, I'm trying to include the people that I love in my life as much as I can. And also, Mm. you know, listen and be a part of their lives too. So yeah, that's beautiful. So when does the shift from, because Am does not a comedy 
institution? Uh. When does the shift, not saying like you only ever will do comedy for the rest of your life, but like when does the shift from like, I'm a theater student to I'm a com uh, like a comedic performance artist come in. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you for calling me a comedic mm -hmm. performance artist. We were artist. talking about that label right before I started recording. Yeah, that's me, baby. Um, so I was really, I always had a knack for improv. It just, it came natural to me. Not saying that I was like amazing at it, but it felt right in mm -hmm. me um, when we would do it. Uh, so I was really good at that. And then people were like, you should take classes at UCB. And then I, you know, a couple of years later after school, after uh, being out of school, I finally had the like $300 because that's what it was at the time to oh, like, that's, I know. I'm sad that I think that's cheap. I know it's, <laughs> it was, yeah, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, over 10 years ago, um, I did that and then, um, at UCB, and then I didn't do another class for a couple of years mm. because, oh wait, is that how it goes for me? Yes, I didn't do another class for a, a couple of years uh, because it was like a lot of money, even $300 was a lot of money mm. um, uh, for me. And also, you know, the UCB culture, it can not feel, um, it could be a little intimidating. Yeah. Um, and then I did the second level and then I didn't, I stopped doing it for years, even a longer gap. And then I came back and I mentioned these gaps because I def, I, I know after the second level, I did not feel uh, that I could be, I, that I could be a part of UCB or that I could be a part of the comedy community mm. because I didn't see anyone that looked like me except yeah. for Risa Harms, who's a, who is a, a Thai American uh, comedian, uh, improviser, uh, who I know now and who I've told her that you were like my, 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 my only hope. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, she's really great, but it was really, you know, I, I loved watching Harold Knight at that time. You know, it was like yeah. Thomas Middleditch and, mm -hmm. all, and Zach Woods and all these other guys that I was like, these guys are rock stars. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it does I, kind of have that feeling to it. It really because you're like sitting on the ground at like Ch at UCB Chelsea when yeah. we were there, and like you know you're watching these people like go crazy, and like it was so fun, and that that energy was great. But at the same time, I also felt like this is really cool, but I'm not a rock star, mm. and I just mm -hmm. I just wasn't confident enough in myself, and also UCB was not diverse, and is still you know. Yeah. Questionably. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's one thing I'd love to ask you about because I'm certainly the UCB and the community comedy community yeah. at large has made strides in that area. Mm -hmm. But like I, when you were describing, what was the name of the woman who sort of inspired Risa? you? So when you were describing Risa, I was like, well, there's got to be a bunch of people who are starting out who are who you are that person for them because at this point you've been producing this show that's foregrounding those kinds of voices for two years. So like. How do you feel? I guess the that wasn't a question. That was me rambling. Oh, but like, I, I guess uh, I guess what I want to ask is like, from that beginning, from your beginning in the scenes of having these feelings to where we are now as a community. Regard, uh, obviously things aren't perfect. Like, what do you think has changed for the better, and what do you think still needs to be improved? Hmm. You know, they're definitely um, trying to be diverse, but sometimes it's just a little bit. Um, it just feels a little like, like, t t is tokenism a word? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Totally. It, it kind of feels like that. Like, uh, so what I host woke as fuck and, um, the, at, in the beginning of it, they just wanted it to be, um, 
uh, a diverse variety show. And I think that there was uh, an idea of like maybe calling it that, like the diverse variety show or like something or like, you know, your, your eyes are widening and that's what ha- that's what <laughs> mine did too. Because I was just like... Who would go to a show called The Diverse Variety I, Show? Maybe it was just like, that was like, maybe, I mean, like, I think she, like, you know, uh, at the time, I think Shannon O'Neill did want me to change the name. She, I, yeah, but I know that that's what she was looking for. That mm-hmm. It was that she was just, she was like, I want to put a variety show together at the theater. Have you host it? And I really want it to be diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, cool, cool. But I, I knew that if we had in the subject line or in the title that this is a diverse, uh, you right. know, thing that the people I were a- I was asking um, would feel that they were only being asked because they check certain boxes. Yeah, and I just didn't want people to feel like that. But at the same time, I want to see people from different walks of life, uh, from different places of the world, on stage. Right. So, so how do you balance featuring these people without tokenizing them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is, uh, I think, something that we're st- uh, we as United States yeah. <laughs> are still working on. Um, so I, we, we, and, and Shannon O'Neill, she was like, also just like, let's actually make it uh, all inclusive. And I was like, yes, I agree. So it wasn't just like no white people. It's mm. every people, but we're going to make sure that we're going to fully try to represent as equally as possible different right. uh, different types of people. Um, but when the name uh, Woke as Fuck came about as like a pop, I was like brainstorming names with a bunch of friends. Um, and that name came about, I it was like, okay, well, Woke means to be, comes from the Black Lives Matter movement and it means to be aware of the social issues in your community. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, we're not going to ignore what that means because that's not right. And I was like, oh, this makes sense now because if we're going to talk about social issues in our community, we only benefit from talking to every different type of person that there is. Right. So I try to explain it to people like that. Like it, like shows should be all inclusive, like art projects and everything should be all inclusive uh, just so you, we get the full, um, we just get the full story, yeah, you know? We don't it, limit ourselves. It's the difference between uh, like diversity of thought and yeah. diversity of appearance. Mm-hmm. Because you can have a very diverse appearing show without a lot of actual variety in it. Yes. Yeah. And I also just like try to tell people like, don't be like, I mean, I don't tell people this, but this is how I think. Like, don't be like, oh, okay, I booked this person, so I already have like my black person for the show. Right. Because there's, a Haitian American is very different from an African American from Chicago. Yeah, you know, like that's the frustrating thing about the way Latinx people yes. in the country are treated too, because there's a million different cultures. Yeah. And like to say, I used when I was a kid, I used to get called Mexican, like sort of as like a slur kind mm-hmm. of, and I'd just be like, you know, I'm you know I'm not Mexican. Like at least make fun of me accurately for what yeah. I am. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, it's it, you know, so like I just try to be like, let's all just think about things like that you know not yeah. every asian person is chinese and yeah not every lax latinx person is mexican yeah. yeah 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 so um what were we talking about we were talking about the show <laughs> we were talking about the show okay. uh and like how it's contributed to like the larger diversity movement in the comedy community mm-hmm. so uh yeah so i think it could work on not feeling so tokenized and mm. really just try to thinking of thinking of it as like a diversity of thought like yeah. you said um 
there is another I had another thought of like how it could help I mean I mean I really think that uh, and this is really hard um, I've been talking about this with a lot of Asian American artists of that we wanted to at some time hopefully like get more involved in the Asian American communities because we're not um, most Asian American kids aren't really pushed to do arts, um, maybe like violin or <laughs> or um, piano, but you know we're not really encouraged. For, I'm I'm really generalizing here, so I'm I apologize if I'm offending anyone or if this is not true for you. But from my uh, observation, we're not really encouraged to like be funny hmm. and you know that's a, a a cultural thing i mean again i i'm now thinking of like lots of like funny Asian sure things, yeah but, but like, I, I think we understand the context you're coming yeah, from. yeah so i think that if we could just start at a younger age of making people feel empowered and feel confident enough to pursue arts or whatever yeah. they want or to even know that an option like that exists the only reason i'm an actor or a comedian or anything i never even considered that as a possibility is because my latin mom couldn't get me to take a dance class because she was a dancer when she moved to this country. So she physically dragged me to an acting class that I hated. And then initially like, but then I realized that was a possible thing that I could do. Like, I understand what you're saying that from an early age, you have to at least show people that this option exists. Yeah. 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 Cause I think it took me a long time to believe that I deserve to be heard. I think I only recently started feeling that. I way. don't even think I'm there yet. <laughs> um yes i i just want that to to happen oh man that's so cool about your mom oh yeah i love her every day for it but that was so she was a a flamenco and modern dancer so cool yeah well she i remember when i was a kid she had the skirts and this is so like uh, the flamenco skirts like this giant Mm -hmm. skirt so my sister would put it on my tiny sister she'd spin around in a circle and then so the skirt would like come up so it was like a spinning top Uh and i would just run around in a circle underneath it oh it's like this weird, vivid memory that I have. Oh, that's sweet. I yeah. love that. That doesn't necessarily contribute to the conversation. But. Mm-hmm. Um, I So growing up in Anchorage, Alaska, mm. I actually did Thai dancing for 10 years. What? I, I don't know. know anything about Thai dance. What's that like? Yeah. I mean, the closest example, and this is not accurate, is like, I don't know, maybe like in The King and I, there's like a Thai dancer. <laughs> Oof. Talk, Oof. Talk about a tough piece of art. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, Thai dancing, you know, like many countries have like their own cultural dance and Thai yeah. dancing is 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 that and it some of it is like very uh folk like more uh like the country and then like yeah but like the very like fancy thai dancing which has like a very like has like a like a gold crown that's pointy and is very elaborate and has like mm. long fingernail gold fingernails was that the style um, you were training in i was training in that one but uh also like the the country like more folk dancing mm-hmm. um but that other that other fancier one is more for like kings and queens and royalty and, and um the elite of Thailand. Uh, but yeah, I did that for 10 years at our local Thai Buddhist temple. I also grew up Buddhist. Okay. Um, so I would go Do there. Do you still practice or has it sort of faded away? It faded when I left. I mean, I, I really don't believe in much of that stuff yeah, anymore. It's kind of the same for me. Both yeah. sides of my family, both the Peruvian side and the Irish side happen to be like super Catholic. Mm-hmm. And like, thankfully both parents kind of stopped giving a shit about it at a certain point. Yeah. 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 I mean, I just, I would go, we would go to this Thai Buddhist temple, which was really just a house um, that the monks lived in. And then we all prayed in a garage. Mm-hmm. 
um, that had like rug, like carpeting in sure, it and yeah. stuff. Um, but it was really more just like it was really a social thing, just like yeah. how most uh, it's religious a community, yeah, yeah, things are. Of like, you go there every Sunday. We uh, we pray, then we eat, and then we practice Thai dancing. And nice. it was always for the two fundraisers of the year that would um, raise money for the Thai temple. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you still remember any of it? Like, could you bust out a routine? I I couldn't. I mean. Um, I just know like basic moves. I'm doing some basic like finger work over here. I so um, wish this was a video podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I would start doing. Um, I have uh, incorporated, I have done a little bit of Thai dancing as a comedic performance artist mm. uh, last year at the uh, Diverse as Fuck Festival. Cool. Um, that is a, a comedy festival here in New York City. Um, I did a little bit of that. Actually, it was a little bit of a routine. Um, there used to be this show in Alaska called Enchanted World, which was like basically a live action. It's a small world after all. <laughs> yeah. This is like, oh my God. This is, you know, uh, I don't know, before <laughs> Netflix or whatever. You know, yeah, this is yeah, like yeah. what people did when you were a kid. You, like, you don't have to make excuses for it. We yeah. all had shit like that. Yeah, we just had like, so it was actually my first job. I was a paid dancer. I was picked to be the Thailand doll. Oh my God, how old were you? I was uh, a freshman in high school. And you were getting paid to do a show? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like a couple, like two, three hundred dollars for the, yeah. I know, it was if cool. If you told freshman in high school me I was going to get two hundred dollars to do anything on stage, I would freak the fuck it out. It was pretty cool. Now that I think about it, oh man, that was neat that my first job was a performer. That's neat. Yeah. Um, and then I like, you know, it's like sold cotton candy on Saturdays and yeah. stuff. Yeah, oh, uh-huh. I worked for minimum wage in a bike shop. Hell yeah. yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know anything about bikes. I made everything up. I, my joke is that it was the first improv I ever did because I basically conned my way into the job. Oh, I love that you knew to do that from yeah. such a young age because mm-hmm. really, you fake it till you make it. That's um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you're doing this show. You yeah, got paid for it. I got paid for it. But I, um, and what I talked about at the Diverse as Fuck Festival is that it was basically selling out my people um, oh, yeah. because it was like, a Disney-fied kind of version of Thai mm. dancing because it was like it was actually a form of dancing that's real called robotic dancing. Um, okay. So they take like cult, you know, kind of I'm using quotes of culturally what they think Thai dancing is or mm. whatever country you're representing, and they make it into a robotic te- uh, routine. Gotcha. And then you do it over and over and over and over again for kids who are coming up to your stage. Okay. Um. So that's so I like literally. Like, I mean, no one ever told, like, my mom didn't think twice about it or anything. Like, no one was like, that's offensive. <laughs> but I think now they they couldn't do that show anymore. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that we did when we were kids yeah. or saw when we were kids that couldn't exist yeah, anymore. It, could, it would not work anymore. <laughs> For good reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. So uh, I know you have to uh, take off in a little bit. It's okay. So... We can keep talking. Okay, great. Six yeah. hours later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I so I didn't sign up for the class. So if we keep talking, I just won't go. And I'm going to go to Trader Joe's instead. Oh, great. Cool. Okay, I'm going to make it my goal for you to go to Trader Joe's. Oh, okay. Though. Cool, cool. <laughs> uh, so, what, so as you're, you're a, a sort of aging as a comedian and getting more embedded into the scene, you start to produce this show. Like, what, where would you like to see things go? Whether it's the New York scene or the L.A. scene. Uh, like, is there anything whether it's personally for your career that you want to like foreground or like the scene as a whole. I would like live theater to not die. Ooh, that's a big one. Yeah, I know. Live, th- live theater in general. Live theater. I mean, 
I mean, I love like big budget Broadway musicals and things like that. Me too, but, but like, man, do they suck sometimes. Yeah, man, they, they really suck. No, I did just see Hamilton. So. First time? First time. Oh, First and only. I, I probably will never be able to see it again. You saw it here or yeah. elsewhere? Oh, I yeah. That it. shows the shit. It was... I mean, you know it's going to be incredible, yeah. but then it exceeds that. Yeah. I'm I'm a big enough nerd that I saw it uh, when it was off-Broadway. Uh, I should have. I yeah. was here, and I knew it was going to be big, and well, I missed it. I've been, like, a weird fanboy of his for, like, a lot, like, since I was, because he, even, like, before In the Heights went up, was doing these, like, college humor videos, because he had the improv group uh, Freestyle of Supreme that was performing in the city. That was, yes, I so forgot. So I've been obsessed with him for a long time. So, like, as soon as I saw that it was going up at the public, I was like, I'm going to see this. Oh, you are so smart. I also yeah. saw In the Heights, too. Yeah. I didn't. That's the thing. Oh. That's my forever regret is that I didn't see it. I'm sure it'll be up again now the movie's getting made and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but that's one of my biggest regrets, for sure. I I just am worried. It feels like a very sad thing about living in New York is seeing um, really cool places, especially theaters, close. Yeah. They close all the time. And it yeah. really... I, I get, I'm, like, getting sad just thinking about <laughs> it. Um, so I just, I just worry about that, about people, new artists not having um, a place to connect with their audience. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, we're recording this in a very specific... <laughs> in a very specific time, too, right? With yeah. With the recent announcements and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. For but sure. It's really is true that, like, performance spaces... Even, like, a lot of spaces that I, I started out performing in don't exist anymore. Yeah, uh, and to a certain extent, that's just kind of how New York City works. But it is sad because you never know if the next thing that pops up is going to be as friendly to people who are on the come up, uh, or if it's just going to exploit people more. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I um I just feel like I just see so many closing and not enough opening to like make up for it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess that's my my main thing. Well, who knows? Maybe the new Amazon HQ is going to have a really awesome stage. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're over there by the creek in the cave. Maybe they can, you know, talk to them about what they're doing. I try. I think I try whenever they announce that deal. I tried for like twenty minutes to write a joke about like Amazon's new improv school or something, but I never got it out. Oh my god! Yeah, that I would mean, be kind of amazing. I could totally imagine myself or one of our peers being paid to go teach an improv workshop. A hundred percent. I bet you sure. it's already been booked. It's already been. Yeah, it's already. <laughs> <laughs> they, they haven't built it, but the improv workshops are booked yeah yeah i could see amazon doing that yeah 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 i've, t- I, uh, I've taught improv it's uh one business before mm. so what are you so do you coach i do coach and uh, you do you teach at all um right now i'm not teaching i'm just coaching and directing gotcha. i've taught like um like summer camp yeah. uh improv stuff yeah that's I, I i think i've done some similar stuff yeah so in terms of the people you coach like now that you're like working with people who are not as far uh, along as you into the comedy scene. Like, what kind of tendencies do you see from young performers nowadays? Um, if you can think of any, like, trends or whatever. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I think we're... I, I, I like to think we're leaving the trend of uh, detachment. Mm, that's... I hope that, too. Yeah. I'm kind of over irony in general. Yeah, I... Um, you know, I, I think especially when you're at, uh, you know, when you're you're in a like a, ch- a cheap studio or you're you're performing in a beer puddle at, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you don't think that what you're doing has a lot of integrity or maybe you don't mm. feel it. But I always tell them that they really should. Mm. I, I know like, you know, I was like really tried to 
be the best actor you really can yeah. because it will be liberating because right. when you commit, it's liberating. Yeah. Um, and so to just like really hold them, I like be like, you need to treat yourself like your artist, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the Del Close thing, right? Sure. Like, yeah. 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 Um, but that's a super important thing uh, to no matter what the venue. And that's something that's hard for me personally, too, is like no matter what the venue or how many, how much like attention it's going to get on Instagram or whatever the fuck, like you should be treating every show like it's your last or like you really, really care about it. Mm-hmm, for yeah. sure. And like you just I mean, not to be like, you never know who's watching. Yeah. But like, you it's don't. not. yeah, I mean, it's not even just like, you know, the chance of getting getting an agent or a manager or like a casting yeah. director seeing you. But like you I, I mean, I don't think Risa bringing it back to her on yeah. Herald Night. I don't think she knew how much she influenced me. Well, she she's told me that sort of um, or she had an idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like. You know, but I was watching it and it burned in my brain. Yeah. So, because she was really good. Even this show, which, you know, speaking in the scope of the world or like the podcast world, whatever, not that many people listen to. I've had like three to five people, like young people reach out to me and be like, hey, this made me feel a little less invisible. Like I'm, you know, half, I'm like Venezuelan American. This made me feel a little less invisible. Mm -hmm. Like That's all we should really care about is that we're affecting somebody with our art, right? Yeah. And especially mixed race and uh, multicultural people are othered so many times and so you just like you don't know where you belong and then when you've you know then you get to it feels so good to hear this and to be like oh someone feels the 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 same way someone feels like they don't belong you know i think that's something i'm trying to reprioritize in my brain because i think a lot i and we all fall victim to it we live in a city that incentivizes the like need to get famous and need to make a bunch of money which are like Yes, things that if I'm honest with myself, I want those things. But like really the true priority should be to make stuff that actually affects people in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Snap, 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 snap. Wait, you were asking me about, oh, trends, right? Yeah, sure. Or like talk about whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, oh gosh, there was something else to talk about. Um, we, okay, we talked about my family is going to see me. <laughs> Very important. Um, how about like, how, uh, cause we've talked a lot about the comedy world. How about in the like more straight, like, are you auditioning for stuff outside of comedy? Like yeah. what's that experience been like? That experience has been, um, yeah, I, so uh, I'm an actor. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's I guess, the thing is, I say it like that too, and I think we shouldn't say yeah, it. Yeah, like you're that. right. You're right. I'm an actor. I'm an artist. Yes, yes. you are. Yes, and I'm actually really trying to, um, you know, you know, practice what you preach, right? Like, I'm also trying to get back to finding the integrity I feel with that, or yeah. fe- or feeling more integrity. Rather Even if than, it's an audition that, like, I traveled 65 minutes for this to say, "Here's your water, sir." Like, there's still integrity in that kind yeah. of thing. For sure. Um, I, if I'm going to be real with you, I do well commercially. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is uh, how I eat most of the time. Hell yeah. Um, but I have really struggled with legit auditions mm. with TV and film. I have severe panic attacks. Mm. I'm currently figuring out my like medication for that. Gotcha. Um, I'm right now doing CBD oil before. Oh, I've never tried that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing how it helps. I've been doing it. I can't really tell Mm. right now. Was that Um, kind of anxiety present when you first started performing in general too? Or is that just with this new wrinkle? Only auditions. Mm. Um, 
and only like auditions that I care about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember having like I'm talking about like the panic attacks where like I think that I'm mentally cool, but my cheeks and my hands are shaking. Do you get the claw? Nonsense. Do you get the claw hands? It just it, they just what? What do you mean claw hands? Well, like, so when I'm like super panicking in an audition environment, this actually happened to me not that long ago because I went in for something that was full Spanish language, mm -hmm. uh, which adds because I know I can speak it, but it adds a s certain layer of like I know I don't look like it, so I kind of have to like prove myself double in this mm -hmm. audition. Like I have to be a good actor and prove that I'm not lying about being Latinx. So like when I get really nervous, like my hand, like my hands get really ting. I get the red cheeks, but my mm -hmm. hands get really tingly, and they sort of like lock up in this position. Oh which if you could, if the listeners could see me, looks like weird. A dinosaur it looks claws. like he's holding, he's like holding a, a sandwich that isn't there. <laughs> yes, like, that's yeah. exactly what it is. So it, it, in any high stress scenario, I'll be holding like an invisible chicken parm while I'm like delivering my oh lines. Oh my gosh, it's no, really yeah. weird. Mine is just shaking, and it's to a point that I can't hide it. So mm. I was like. I have to fix this. I actually started going to therapy a couple years ago because of this, because mm. I was like, this is killing me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm trying the CBD oil. I might move on to something else uh, called beta blockers. I think I've heard of that, yeah. Um, but we'll see how the CBD oil goes. So I'm still working on that. On, yeah. on um, Again, I do well at uh, auditions that I feel very comfortable with. Like if I know the people. Right. Uh, there are certain casting directors I'm really comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, but man, I still have like really hard. And I also just like um, sometimes I sabotage my own auditions. Mm. Like I will think that I will give myself a certain amount of time thinking like, oh, I could, I'll be able to wing it. And then I shoot myself in that the foot. That is me a million percent. Yeah. I started a new, this wasn't even for an audition. I started a new on-camera class with like a teacher that I think is really cool this week. And it, we had sides assigned a couple of days in advance. And I was like, I'm an improviser. I'll be fine. Like, I can be funny. Like, I'll be fine. And I did not adequately work on it. And it shows. It's this weird thing. It's just, yeah. I mean, it, how do you find this balance of like, of being confident and like balancing your life and being like, I got this, but also putting in the work yeah. right but not putting the stress into the work you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You, you're like i always worry that i'm gonna like do too much and then like and like be too stressed about and it it'll be dead in your hands yeah. yeah so i'm really working on that so now i'm really trying to lean towards doing the work yeah um yeah i, I guess I, like to bring it to try to think of an analogy that brings it back to culture and heritage mm -hmm. like to like both our moms came here when they were 19 or 20 so like mm -hmm. i want to have the the risk taking and like lack of fear that allows me to like fly to another country when I'm 19 or 20, but with the sense of like diligence and hard work to actually make that work. Like, yeah. I think that's how I want to approach auditions. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and I actually have been, so I've been like, okay, I'm not doing well at this. So aside for the anxiety and then like the lack of being prepared, what can I do? So I've been asking people, um, that who I think do well at yeah. auditions, what they do. And would you believe it? All of them work harder than I do. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, well, so weird to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, cause I would be like, I talked to like my, uh, my one friend, Anna Suzuki, who's, uh, who's Japanese American, mm -hmm. um, all also, uh, biracial. And, um, she was like, uh, 
she was like, I make sure I'm like extra, extra off book. I like know it like the back of my hand. Cause yeah. she's like, I know I get too nervous and too anxious that I'll forget it. So I have to know it so, so well. Yeah. I talked to another actor, Jonathan Fernandez, who's in uh, the lethal weapon series. Mm. So he's doing fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's uh, been a working actor for years. He told me that he gets off book as soon as possible mm. in case another audition pops up in case something right. else pops up in case a life thing happens. Yeah. So even if he got the script on Thursday and the auditions next Tuesday, he's off book by Friday morning. Isn't it weird how what your parents told you since you were little has always been true, which I, is like work hard, work fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I just couldn't, I'm 32 years old and I'm just now starting to realize this. And even though, yeah, I've been told it my whole life. Yeah. 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 It's so weird. What, uh, like growing up in this country does to you, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Work hard, have fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for the little actors out there, yes, uh, all you little actors, you little actors, uh, get off book ASAP <laughs> <laughs> and do the work. I, well, one of my survival jobs is teaching like kids acting classes at a couple of programs. Uh, I don't know if any of them would listen to this, but that's honestly, anytime one of them pulls me aside after a class, cause a lot of them, I teach for one program where a lot of them are like consistently auditioning actors. Wow. Um, yeah, they're basically like, it's like a lot of like kids who got cast in a commercial or a TV show or like a Broadway show when mm -hmm. they were little, mostly off of being charismatic, but like they've never taken a class. So sometimes they pull us aside after class to be like, what do I do about this? And the answer is always like work really hard and like memorize it and make your choices and then commit to them. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's that, th it's exactly what you said of practice, what you preach, like wh what you tell to a team that you coach, it might be like the note that you need to take for yourself. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, can we talk about one more little actor thing? Absolutely. Is that cool? Absolutely. Um, I, <laughs> um, oh my God, wait. Okay. So I saw this piece of advice off of like an acting studio's Instagram. Like, so it was like an the best place for yeah, advice. Well, the best place to learn about acting is from <laughs> someone who's trying to sell you an acting class. <laughs> um, but I, I, I really took it to heart and it's also my new philosophy or my new thing for auditions. It, I believe it comes from Michael K. Knight. I think that's his last name. Sounds familiar. The guy from The Wire. Oh, um, um, oh God. And also like I know who you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. He um we'll we'll look it up later. But yeah. um he was talking about his the best piece of advice that he got is to at the first audition, uh, is to just be believable. Just to show that you are a real human. Yeah. So just make it like whatever this script, this scenario, this scene feels like to you. Um, do it like that and then be open to notes. So like he was basically being like, don't come in there with like a, uh, don't have, don't like pressure yourself into like feeling like you have to do all these like big choices and stuff. I mean, mm. it will happen authentically, but yeah. like just to be believable and make that like the only priority. And I really, that has been relieving a lot of yeah. stress and, and taking the pressure off of being like, I got to make a bunch of big, bold choices so right. they remember me, right. you know? Yeah, that's I've, I've taken a couple classes where the teachers have said, like, I don't know if you've ever taken Bob Krakauer's class, but I, I haven't, but I, I want to. I took one of his classes and, like, the most of his stuff is sort of along those lines and a lot of it is, like, sort of putting actors in our place a little bit because we have, and the way that, Hollywood or New York media is set up as like the actors are everything the actors are it but like it's sort of he he reminds everybody they're like there's a crew of 150 people here who are depending on you to do your job and your job is to tell the story that's in the script like I don't care how interesting you are how hot you are or like how funny you are or whatever like 
what happens in the scene, you need to tell the story and make sure we believe that you're a real person in that story. And that's, I think, done wonders for me. For yeah, sure. that's nice. And also just like trust that you're interesting enough. Like, yeah. uh, especially if you're like a, a multicultural person. Um, I mean, sometimes I look at scripts and like, you know, someone will be like, oh, that makes me think of this uh, pasta that my mom's makes. And I'd be like, mm. oh man, that makes me think of lap, which is like a yeah. minced meat. Uh, Thai yeah. dish, you or know, like lomo saltado is the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So just to test, like you're interesting enough. We're all yeah. so interesting. There's a thing that um, I do. You know who Jill Bernard? She's mm-hmm. a she's from Minnesota. She's a improv. She's like a guru. She's one of my favorite people I've ever taken a class with. Shout outs to Jill Bernard who runs a huge theater in Minneapolis. Which talk about a theater. This is off topic, but talk about a theater that goes really hard on inclusion efforts and paying performers and stuff. Like huge is great. Uh, but one of her many, she has this. She has the best book on improv I've ever read, and it's about I think forty pages long. It's called uh, Jill Bernard's Small Cute Book of Improv. It's the best. <laughs> but one of the big mantras in it is uh, just the phrase "You are enough," like over and over again, like you on your own are enough. And that's something in like the improv context. I think I've internalized through the years of training, but not yet in like the on camera auditioning world. Oh my god, I need to get that like tattooed on me. Like, yeah, you are I, enough. I've, you are. I've considered it. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm fanning myself because it is a little warm, but I'm it also is. fanning it into my body. You are enough. You, <laughs> you are, are enough. enough. You are enough. You yeah. are enough. Oh, beautiful. I mean that. And then Dolly Parton's uh, quote, um, find out who you are, then do it on purpose. Those, those are the two quotes that I'll, I'll take. I've it. never heard that one before. Isn't it the best? I like that a lot. Find out who you are, then do it on purpose. It's Ooh. one of the best ones. I love that. Let's leave it there. I like it. Amazing. Okay, do you want to plug anything before before we go? Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, great. So, bunch of woke as fuck shows coming yes. up. Yes. Yes. So, we have our... Um, so, woke as, woke as fuck, a mind-opening variety show. Uh, we have our last one at UCB East, Tuesday, February 5th at 9 p.m. Then we're going... Uh, if you're in L.A., we'll be there Thursday, February 21st at 8.30 at UCB Sunset. And then uh, Woke as Fuck will continue even though The Beast is closing because we're going to be a part of UCB um, Subculture uh, with their partnership with Subculture, which is a theater in the East Village that uh, is super cool. Yeah, cool one. East Village? Yeah. Yeah, No, that's definitely East Village. It's like right by the Sheen Center and stuff. You're right. You're right. And uh, and that will be March 15th, Friday at 10 p.m. Amazing. Those are all different types. So it like, took me a second. So lots of woke as fucks coming up. Um, it's an all-inclusive show. We have great lineups. It's a comedy variety show. So there'll be music. There'll be improv. There'll be storytelling. Yes. There'll be all of it. And please follow Nicole on every conceivable platform that you can follow. Her. Yep. It's just at Nicole Pasquale. By the way, that is an Italian last name. Yeah, we never talked about that. I so Who's Italian? My, uh, my dad who adopted me, he was adopted by an Italian American family. Because so. my mom is, I think, a quarter to a half Italian, which is because my mom's maiden name is Testino, which doesn't even sound. That's what, when mm-hmm. I've gone in for agents or whatever, there was a period of time where I thought about changing my name so that I could more easily go in for Latinx parts. Me too. Uh, yeah. That's a weird conversation that you have with reps sometimes. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, yeah, just use your mom's maiden name. What is it? And I was like, Testino. And they're like, you're just going to be an Italian. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that's that. My mom's maiden name is Asavera Hawapan. Uh, 
So I didn't go with it. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but I've I've heard that I think that's a very interesting talk and yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think any way of whichever which person. No, chooses yeah, I think to do. case by case basis. Yeah, yeah but it's just sure. so funny. It's like Pasquale is like a really strong Italian last yeah. name. It means Easter in Italian. I didn't know that. And I'm like not Catholic, not you know, like not <laughs> Italian. But that's my last name. Another layer of identity that's like kind of there, but kind of not there. Yeah. So that again, don't judge a book by its cover. My name is Nicole Pasquale, and yet I am Thai and white. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. Nicole, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for this was lovely. Me. This was the best. I love Please it. come back anytime. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Come with me. And that's it for this week's episode of La Mescla. Thank you so much to Nicole Pasquale for coming in and for talking to me. Thank you so much to Simple Studios for letting me record. Thank you, Mateo Sounds, for the song Come With Me that's been used uh, on this podcast from day one. Uh, so thank you to him for that. Thank you to, to uh, Esther Burke for the uh, visual art that's used to promote this show. Uh, and thank you humans out there for subscribing and listening. Please be sure to spread the word and rate, review, and subscribe and all that shit. Uh, tell someone you love them. And hey, go give money to like an immigrant-owned business or a bicultural business. Make sure that we're putting our money where our mouth is in terms of supporting these kinds of voices. And please be sure to go support all of our guests' art. Uh, and make sure you tell people about the show. I think I said that already. I don't know how many people actually listen to the end bumpers of these I feel like I always let them get really shaggy and nobody ever talks to me about it. So maybe I'll just keep putting weird shit at the end of this and see if anybody actually listens. All right. Uh, bye. <laughs> Have a great week. We'll be back with a new one next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.